baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 971 FM Talk Podcast. Ah, 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 ah. On the topic of Ron DeSantis, or do you say DeSanctimonious, like the former president, we have... No, I don't don't either. (laughs) But it does make me laugh. We're going to go to uh, Iowa this afternoon. We're all going to get in a bus. All right. We're going to take a trip up there. And we're going to talk with Joe Curtinitis here in just a few minutes about the, um, the state of the race in Iowa. I'm going to act just for the moment like there is still a state of the race in Iowa. We, okay. we may have to yeah. embellish the uh, competitiveness of that, but you know what? There is only this path left for Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis. I mean, not only the caucuses, but if you don't get off the ground in Iowa, well, then you're then you're toast. Good afternoon. How are we doing, Sue? Doing well, thank you. Wow. Do I have stuff to get to today? So let me get right to it because you have a, a host of congressional hearings today. One on anti-Semitism on college campuses, some unbelievable audio from the Harvard president and others. We also have Bill Malusian down at the border today in Arizona. And, you know, we, we all, I think that you would admit, Sue, we, we cover the border on a regular basis. We see the images on Fox. And I was left with my jaw drop today as Bill and his cameras, and some of this came from News Nation. News Nation, by the way, the network that's going to handle the debate tomorrow night. We may talk about that a little bit more tomorrow. But lines and lines, thousands of African men coming through the southern border. Wait a minute. Chinese nationals coming uh. through the Now, I I would think that it, those of you in the audience right now, you're going to you're going to trust that that information is accurate and it is. But let's say that you go to one of your friends who's not paying attention, say, "Hey, have you seen this video of all these men from Africa that are coming in on the southern border and all these men from China that are coming in?" They'd probably think you were making it up. But it is stunning. And I'm going to get to Bill's report. We're trying to get him on the air, and I don't know if that's going to be successful over the next couple of days. But but I was left with my jaw dropped. And then there's this. Okay. <clears throat> And this is a topic that's near and dear to my heart. And I think Riley Gaines is absolutely a hero. And one of the things that she tweeted out about today, let me find this tweet, because once again, you've had a situation. I'm stunned by how little coverage this actually gets. There's no sports page in our local paper. There is no ESPN coverage of this. But you had two trans cyclists in Illinois, biological men that have now won gold and silver in a race in um, in Illinois again in um, not uh, oh, the hell it's not the regular road race road race it's the uh, what do they call that not mountain biking forget the name of it wait um, what now? cyclocross cyclocross yes yeah, sorry okay. it's that other com- competitive event oh, I get so these are two round. trans women also known as you know AKA biological men that have won gold and silver in a couple of different races and this just happened last week so Riley Gaines tweeted out and I love this she said. Any woman who doesn't compete and loses out on prize money, I will happily pay the fee out of my own pocket in any sport. Stop playing their game. I love that. So she's on Capitol Hill today with some others. And there is a um, a woman from Pennsylvania named Summer Lee, African-American lawmaker. I have no idea who she is. This is on the House Oversight Subcommittee on Health. 
And Lisa McLean is the chairperson here. You're going to hear her voice just a little bit because there was this point of order. I don't always understand, you know, the rules. And right. clearly, neither do members of Congress, as you're going to discover here in just a moment. So Summer Lee starts yapping. And I'm going to have to tell you, there's an edit in here that's a little awkward at the beginning. It was not my edit. It wasn't our edit. It was just the way that it aired on Fox. But you'll hear what I mean here in a second. Such as teamwork and goal setting. In terms of mental health, studies show that participating in youth sports is associated with lower rates of anxiety and depression, lower amounts of stress, higher self-esteem and confidence. Women must stop. Inclusion cannot be prioritized over safety and fairness. And Ranking Member Lee, if my testimony makes me transphobic, then I believe your opening monologue makes you a misogynist. Whoa. So Whoa. at that point, there's another woman that's going to take uh, from Heritage, uh, Sarah Marshall Perry. Uh, actually, I think her name is Sarah Partial Perry. And she starts to give her opening statement. When she starts to give her opening statement, this congresswoman from Pennsylvania mays, makes an um, objection. Madam Chair, she's engaging in personalities. Can I just ask how it's fair to be called transphobic? There's a thing. I would say men disguising themselves as women are engaging in personalities. Order. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Order, order. Let's let's get a ruling. So you had Sarah Partial Perry chime in there and say, I would say men. And then you have the chair saying, OK, I'm going to replay that one because essentially Summer Lee says, oh, she's engaging in personalities. I'm not even sure what that means. I don't either. But but what happened was, Fred, you were watching this yeah. at the time as well. I, I tightened it up. There were staffers that were behind her, and the chair of the committee kind of shut down the microphone, and, and that's what you heard on the soundbite, because they were trying to determine if her point of order was valid, right? So let me play that bite here. So she raises the point of order. Madam Chair, she's engaging in personalities. Can I just ask how it's fair to be called transphobic? There's a thing. I would say men disguising themselves as women are engaging in personalities. Yes. yes. Hang on, hang on, hang on. Order, order. Let's let's get a ruling. All right, order, order. That's what happens. The staffers are surrounding, and then this happens. Okay, I move to withdraw the point of order. Thank you, Ms. Lee. Um, I now recognize Ms. Perry for her opening statement. So she lost. She realized the staffers in her ear, the committee chairs in her ear. No, Summer, you have no point of order. I, I wish to withdraw my point of order. So she loses that. But that is un real, that we still have testimony like that. And Riley Gaines and this woman from Heritage sticking it to these members of Congress who should be ashamed of themselves. Yes, they and should. one of the questions that she raises is, you know, how is that not misogynistic? Really, I think that that's a great question yes. to turn around on Summer Lee for sure. All right. So that that's just part of the nonsense that's uh, gone on on Capitol Hill. Here's another one. They have put the presidents of big Ivy League institutions on Capitol Hill to answer questions about how they're handling anti-Semitism on campus, right? Yeah. So this is the president of Harvard, Claudine Gay, with New York Congresswoman Elise Stefanik. And Elise Stefanik just absolutely hands it to her because she asked her over and over again some of the questions that Claudine Gay seemingly just can't answer. I assume you're familiar with the term intifada, correct? Huh. I've heard that term, yes. And you understand that the use of the term intifada in the context of the Israeli-Arab conflict is indeed a call for violent armed resistance against the state of Israel, including violence against civilians and the genocide of Jews. Are you aware of that? That type of hateful speech is personally abhorrent to me. And there have been multiple marches at Harvard with students chanting, quote, there is only one solution, intifada revolution, and quote, globalize the intifada. Is that correct? I've heard that thoughtless, reckless, and hateful language 
on our campus, yes. So do you believe that type of hateful speech is contrary to Harvard's code of conduct, or is it allowed at Harvard? Okay, so that's where she seemingly, Claudine Gay's like, okay, yeah, that's abhorrent. And I'll get to the pronunciation of that word here in a second. Thank Believe you. me, I'm not going to not follow up on that. Thank you know you. that you can trust me on that. So does that not violate the code of conduct? And she doesn't seem to want to answer that. We embrace a commitment to free expression, even of views that are objectionable, offensive, hateful. It's when that speech crosses into conduct that violates our policies against bullying, harassment, Does that speech not cross that barrier? I would say that it does. Does that speech not call for the genocide of Jews and the elimination of Israel? When you testify that you understand that is the definition of intifada. Is that speech speech according to the code of conduct or not? We embrace a commitment to free expression and give a wide berth to free expression, even of views that are objectionable, You and I both know that's not the case. You were aware that Harvard ranked dead last when it came to free speech. Are you not aware of that report? I reject that characterization. It's the data shows it's true. Yeah, well, so this is the this is the best part. I'm going to skip here. I have a couple of sound bites, but then. okay, let's ask this question. This is a good one here. Dr. Gay, a Harvard student calling for the mass murder of African-Americans is not protected free speech at Harvard, correct? Our commitment to free speech. It's a yes or no question. Is that corrected? Is that okay for students to call for the mass murder of African-Americans? She's black, by the way. She's an African-American woman. This this is like Kentenji Brown-Jackson being on the stand in the Senate for confirmation hearings and not being able to give the definition of a woman. Of course she can give the definition of a woman. Of course the president of Harvard could say that, but she won't say it. She refuses to say it. Harvard, is that protected free speech? Our commitment to free speech. It's a yes extends. or no question. I mean, that was a yeah. layup. How, how hard? Yeah, you know what, uh, Congressman, you're absolutely right here. And this is why I'm so hypocritical on this particular issue. And I don't understand why I'm standing up. This would be my answer. I don't understand why I, as an African American woman in this country, are going all these extra lengths for people who don't even want to be in this country or love this country and they think Hamas are heroes. That, that's the answer unreal. she should have given. It really is unreal. One more here. Let me ask you this. Will admissions offers be rescinded or any disciplinary action be taken against students or applicants who say, from the river to the sea or intifada, advocating for the murder of Jews? As I've said, that type of hateful, reckless, offensive speech is personally abhorrent to me. I'm today that when no action will be taken. What action will be taken? When speech crosses into conduct that violates our policies, including policies against bullying, harassment, or intimidation, we take action. And we have robust disciplinary processes that allow us to hold individuals accountable. What action has been taken against students who are harassing and calling for the genocide of Jews on Harvard's campus? I can assure you we have robust What actions have been taken? I'm not asking. I'm asking what actions have been taken against those students. Given students' rights to privacy and our obligations Uh under FERPA, I will not say more about any specific cases other than to reiterate 
that processes are ongoing. You know, I've said this before, and no offense to those of you in academia, but man, she'd just be a joy to be around at a party, wouldn't she? That would be my dream, to be at a Christmas cocktail party with the president of Harvard, who, by the way, should we trust the president of Harvard being the president of Harvard when she says this? That type of hateful speech is personally abhorrent to me. Okay. And now is there I, an I, H in there? I, yeah, there is. Here, to be? I Googled it. Abhorrent. Yeah, yes, so it sounds you. like... Abhorrent. Mm-hmm. That type of hateful speech is personally abhorrent to me. I think... <laughs> Look, I'm I'm a pretty simple man sometimes. I think that it should automatically, you should be able to rescind the title of president of Harvard University if you can't say a word like that, right? <laughs> you know, I also... Every day, Fred, something comes... You, you know how much of it's a scramble today listening to this audio. Crazy thing after crazy thing. Go ahead. Sorry. I, I also think um, Elise Stefanik is a graduate of Harvard. Oh, so, I didn't know that. Yeah, is she? So, so she oh, that's really even Oh, they better. taught her yeah. that. That's nice. <laughs> so, Riley, get, look... You don't have to listen at, at 5.55 because audio cut of the day has already <laughs> been laid out here today. You won't miss anything. That that I'm just stunned today again. You wow. can, I, and I understand the free speech they obviously came in with, just uh, here, the rhetoric that we're going to say. And essentially she's trying to say unless somebody harasses somebody or takes action. So yeah, but Stephanie, where, where does that, what does that mean? Look, I, I am a, I'm a purist when it comes to free speech. Okay, yeah. let me let me put it this way. Years ago, this goes back decades. I mean, if you go into the early 90s, some of you probably remember this, maybe even to the early 80s, there were a lot of efforts to ban flag burning, right? Mm-hmm. I was always opposed to that. Someone wants to burn a flag. I think it's disgusting. It is right? disgusting. That's free speech. You can do it, speech. right? You want to take a knee, uh, but there's consequences for that, too. You want to do something like Colin Kaepernick did. You want to take a knee, and then you want to go in front of the cameras at an NFL game after the game and pay homage to Fidel Castro Jeez. And, you know, expose your disdain for the cops. Well, you're going to be exposed, dude. And and we're going to go after you. And that's what happened, right? You had the freedom to do that the same way the Dixie Chicks had a freedom to open up their big flaps over in London when Bush was president, right? Right. But there are consequences for your action. This is different, as Elise Stefanik pointed out. You're talking about, let's, let's go back to that, because she could not have asked this better. And the Harvard president was backed into a corner. Dr. Gay, a Harvard student calling for the mass murder of African Americans is not protected free speech at Harvard, correct? Our commitment... Yeah, it's not. It, it is not under any circumstances. And by the way... You know, you everybody knows as well as I do. Claudine Gay knows this. Elise Stefanik knows this. They all know this. That if that were to have happened at Harvard, that kid oh. would be booted off the campus, yes. expelled as quick as they possibly could do that. And if they wouldn't, if they cited free speech in that instance, there would be mobs of people burning down the offices of the Harvard president. So that we know. There is absolutely no doubt that that would happen. So I, I don't know how there's any kind of justification for her to not answer the questions. There isn't. There, no, there, there isn't. There is not. It, it really, it's really something, though, uh, when, wow. when this stuff gets exposed. All right, we're going to talk about a lot of this this afternoon. First, we're going to go up to Iowa. Joel Curtinitis, who is, um, well, he's really kind of our conservative p- political analyst. He does politics in Des Moines, but he has been with us since 2015 on some of the things that go on in advance of a presidential race. The caucus now less than 50 days away. I want to get to some of this. Bill Malusian audio, which is stunning as well. Um, Phil Holloway is going to be with us in the next hour. Haley McNamara. This is interesting. I saw this piece the other day. Fred, do you remember it was in the Wall Street Journal? It was written Uh, by Haley. She's the VP of Strategy and Communications at the National Center on Sexual Exploitation. And, oh, she wrote a piece in The Federalist. Federalist. That's where it was. About how... 
And this crosses into other areas. The title of this was Your Daughter's Face Could Be Hijacked for Deep Fake Porn. And she's talking about some of the things that happen very nefariously on online with some of the images that are out there. But the other part of this that I want to touch on is Instagram and some of the things that have been reported when it comes to meta and Instagram and the way that um, pedophiles are having a field day up there. So unfortunately, that's a tough topic, but we'll get to that. Plus, the aforementioned audio cut of the day, which I kind of spoiled already. It's all coming up. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. And uh, there was a point that I was going to make about Claudine Gay, the president of Harvard, on the uh, African-American issue that is just, it was a good point, too, Sue. I promise you, it was, like, brilliant. You would have been talking about it probably the rest of the week, and I just brain-cramped oh, I on that. that. Mainly because we have more technical problems here this afternoon, our phone system. So we're trying to get Joel Curtinitis on the uh, the horn, and, and maybe we'll do that. There was a bunch of activity, including... Some of the Riley Gaines audio that I just shared that was happening right at the end of the 2 o'clock hour. So as Annie was wrapping up, we were scrambling by we, Abby and Fred and I, all trying to gather the audio. Right before 3 o'clock, I saw this with Martha McCallum, and I was rather stunned. So I'm going to share this here. And I'll, I'll do this with, uh, with Martha's help because um, she read this tweet from the former, well, she describes it here as Bernie Sanders' former, I think, lead press person here. She'll, she'll tell you who it is. This is a tweet from Brianna Joy Gray, who is the former national press secretary for Bernie Sanders. She says, believe all women was always an absurd overreach. Women should be heard, claims should be investigated, but evidence is required. The same is true of the allegations out of Israel. But also, this isn't a believe women scenario because no female victims have offered testimony. Well, mainly because they beheaded them and and killed them uh, yeah. and maybe burned their bodies. Okay, Good that grief. that is, that's, and by the way, the first listen to the first part of that because the first part of that I would say is probably true. This is a tweet from Brianna Joy Gray, who is the former national press secretary for Bernie Sanders. She says, "Believe all women was always an absurd overreach." I, I don't think that that's necessarily false, right? Because we've seen instances where that necessarily hasn't been true. Women should be heard, claims should be investigated, but evidence is required. The same is true of the allegations out of Israel. Uh, well, I think it's a little different circumstance since there was murder uh, yeah. that was associated with this, right? So here's a response. Daniela Davis, who's a writer for one of the Jewish publications. I think it's clear that Brianna doesn't think Israeli women are human. I think it's clear that Brianna doesn't think Israeli women should be heard. I think it's clear that Brianna is not willing to look at evidence that has been presented. And this is not just from Fox News or from outlets that Brianna probably doesn't read. The New York Times, as I was walking in, walking in here, just broke a very long story, well reported, many people involved, very clearly outlining all of the evidentiary pieces. Again, forensics, eyewitness testimony, actual evidence on film, what people found, broken pelvis bones. I mean, there were some people that were so mutilated they couldn't tell if they were men or women. That's how destroyed the bodies were. I mean, I'd be very curious to see if Bernie Sanders re responds to that or if other members on Capitol Hill. Yeah, There's that another would be. shocking 
uh, tweet. So let me, I meant to play this in the previous segment because uh, Fox had a bunch of the students, you know, sort of framed around this hearing on Capitol Hill with the Ivy League presidents, et cetera. They, they interviewed a bunch of different students. And here's a little montage of what the students are saying happening on campus. Our university, revered for its pursuit of knowledge, has devolved into an arena where Jewish students tiptoe through their days, uncertain and unsafe. Unmistakable anti-Semitism that I've experienced on campus is reminiscent of the Jew hatred I've heard about from my grandparents. This is not just harassment. This is our lives on the line. Uh, so that's that's happening. But apparently the president of Harvard doesn't really care about those students. It's going to be fascinating to me. You know, I've seen a lot of predictions, Sue, from people out there saying that this is really a defining moment for these institutions like Harvard and Cornell and Brown and maybe even Washington University that, you know, parents aren't going to be willing to send their kids there and write the checks. I'm not so sure about that. Right? I know. I, I, I'd like to believe I, I, that some people are going to take a stand, but you know, you get into Harvard, they're going to say, "Ah, you know what? We're going to overlook all this stuff because we're looking at the future and what the benefits are, not the disadvantages." So I, I don't sure. think that those are going to hold true, but we'll see. Maybe the rhetoric gets even more off the, uh, you know, off the rails, if you will. Let me get to Bill Malusian. I think we're going to hook up with uh, Joel here at three forty-five. So. I'll cover the Bill Malusian stuff. And, and I will say, you know, I, I get up every morning and I turn Fox on and I start going through my sources and I read this and I read that. And things catch my attention, certainly when I was listening to some of this testimony on Capitol Hill today on both, um, you know, the topic of anti-Semitism and the situation with women's sports. There were things that my ears went up and said, OK, we've got to share that with the audience. This is one you know, I've seen Bill Malusian's reports for how long now? He's down at the border. Okay, we know the border. People are coming through. There's tens of thousands of people. The Biden administration's not doing anything about it. Blah, blah, blah. We're never going to have a fix, even though most of the country, including Democrats, are outraged. But then I saw the report this morning, and I really do think that this puts this stuff in a different category. We've had members on um, Capitol Hill and others that have raised the question about what kind of people are coming through the southern border. Could there be terrorists, et cetera? I don't know. I don't know. Of course. Well, of course, there could be, right? But is is that, I think there's a temptation on the part of people to say, ah, you know what? These are a bunch of people from South America. They just want to come there, you know, for better things, which, by the way, I think is true for many of them. But listen to what Bill Malusian is reporting. This is in Arizona. Here in Lukeville, we are quite literally in the middle of nowhere, two and a half hours to the closest major city. Thousands are crossing here illegally every day, and the situation is completely unsustainable. We'll step out, give you a look at the scene here. This is a mass of hundreds upon hundreds of people who have crossed the border illegally and are camped out here at the border wall waiting to be apprehended by Border Patrol. You'll quickly notice these are all single adult men. There is not a single woman or child in this group you're looking at. And these guys are coming in from all over the world. So the the line, he'll describe it here. These are all these are all black dudes. The, The one line that they were showing on Fox, there wasn't Hispanic among them in the shot that I saw. Large amounts of African men from Senegal, from Guinea, from Mauritania, from Egypt, others from the Middle East, others from Asia. This is Border Patrol's Tucson, Arizona sector, which just had 17,500 illegal crossings last week alone. That is the highest weekly total wow. ever recorded. We talked to one for this sector. We talked to one man from Mauritania who told us uh, he paid smugglers $10,000 to get here, first flying into Colombia. So I'd love to know how that works. I mean, yeah. where. how does that work? And who's paying the money? And, you know, are people getting the money paid back? We've heard this about 
you know, obviously, even the situation, people coming up from Honduras or whatever, that's uh, my friend Bob Wamhoff has told that story. Bob and I traveled because he's got a great charity down in Honduras. He talked about how, you know, some of this stuff works. How they raise the money, I don't know. If I want to get into this country for nefarious purposes because I hate the U.S. or I want to plot something. You go to the southern border. I'm absolutely going to the southern border and getting across with everyone else. This is ridiculous and out of control. So think about what happened a couple of weeks ago. Nobody ever talked about it. After that moment, we, we spent four or five hours. Many of you listening right now might not even know about this. There was an incident at the Canadian border at Niagara Falls, and it looked like it was terrorism for a mm-hmm. while, and they weren't sure. They shut down all four, all four yes. entrances. You're they right. took that that seriously where they said, uh-huh. we think there's terrorism. We're going to shut all this down. Meantime, at the southern border, we just let people in. in. And listen to this description here. So I think some of this he refers to News Nation as well. Uh, News Nation is going to host the debate tomorrow night. You know, they're the up-and-comer where they thought Phyllis. I think Cuomo's on News Nation, Chris Cuomo. Uh, Elizabeth Vargas is going to be one of the hosts. She's mm-hmm. a Mizzou um, J-School. Oh, used to do 2020. I, I, she would never remember me, but I was uh, very close with her boyfriend at Mizzou at the time. So I did hang out with Elizabeth a little bit. But she was, I think, on ABC for the longest time. They're an upstart in the sense that they feel, and I don't think this is working out for them, that people are looking for an unbiased news report, you know, yeah. just straight. So they have video from something else that he describes. How does this happen when we have the border wall right here? Well, there are breaches all in the wall, and we want to show you this remarkable video we shot yesterday. Take a look at this. Border Patrol and federal contractors were trying to fix a hole in the wall that smugglers cut when a huge surge of illegal immigrants came pushing through that gap, trying to get into the United States and successfully doing it before Border Patrol could fix it. They were trying to weld it, and all these people started pushing through the hole in the wall. And you'll notice there's a human smuggler dressed in black right on the other side of the wall. He sees our camera. He kind of just gives us a shrug and then salutes us, uh, essentially saying, hey, there's nothing they can do about it. I have one more bite. Maybe this is the News Nation stuff. I might I pulled this very quickly. I might have missed it. But News Nation showed, well, maybe this is it. Hang on. This is what has caused, has been caused by an open invitation by the administration that said, hey, come one, come all, ask for asylum and you'll get released. It takes a toll on operations. It takes a toll on the men and women that are out there putting their lives on the line each and every day. Yeah, that's the Border Patrol guy. But bottom line is, and maybe it already aired, Sue, because my brain's not working properly. He referred, Bill referred to, and they showed some video of Chinese nationals. And as I look up at the Fox screen right now, they're, they're showing some of the video of the Africans that are coming in from different countries as well. But it, News Nation had a bunch, like a long line of Chinese nationals. And again, no women, no children, just streaming through the border. And they basically know that they're going to get the rubber stamp once they're through. Again, <clears throat> we are not anti-immigrant just do it legally. That's it. If we have an open border with these people flowing through, who knows what kind of horrendous stuff they want to accomplish besides the fact that it's illegal and we just keep getting more and more and more on, on tax pay. It's ridiculous. Yeah, there's so much. It's so tiered in many levels because, yeah, there's the issue of terrorism. There's the issue of resources. Mm-hmm. Look, do you know how – and this is another undercovered story right now, and I, I can't speak for Chicago – and what the coverage is there. And I think I do think that some of this is skewed to a certain extent because of what's happening in Israel with the news cycle. So let me explain that. Because there's so much focus on Gaza and Israel and that war, there's a bunch of different stories. I'm just telling you from the last couple of weeks that I didn't even get to because we spent so much time on other things. So I do think that maybe you'd have some attention on some of these stories, perhaps, if the news cycle wasn't quite as crowded. Yeah. I, I don't know that. For sure. But on this issue in particular, somebody asked me 
earlier today. How are our Democrat friends not alarmed? And I, my answer was the ones that I know are. are. Right. Yes. So if you would, you know, again, I haven't seen this video anywhere else. Oh, the point I was going to make about Chicago is they are livid. These African-Americans oh, yes. in certain areas in Chicago are so pissed off right now because they've paid their taxes. Mm-hmm. They've worked on na- their neighborhoods. They have parks that they're supposed to be able to be used with their families. And they're prohibited essentially from doing that because there are migrant encampments that are set up. So you've had, you know, we played some of the audio here, and I think there was even more from last week where you have people from Chicago that are just livid with the response that they're getting from elected officials. And I don't know where this is going to take us, but I do think that there's a lot more people than just, you know, Democrats are pissed too. And yeah, African they Americans are. are pissed in New York. You can feel it. Eric Adams. Why is Eric Adams pissed about this? Because he knows his constituents are, right? We'll go to Iowa. Coming up, I think we got Joel. If you don't come in at least second, would you then drop out of the race? How critical is Iowa? Well, we're, we're going to win the caucus. We, we're doing everything that, that we need to do it. Bottom line, is Iowa do or die for you, Governor? We're going to win Iowa. Uh, I think it's going to help propel us to the nomination, but I think we'll have a lot of work that we'll have to do. Governor Ron DeSantis, or as I so often have been asking, do you say to Sanctimonious? Let's go up to Des Moines to visit with Joe Curtinitis, who's been great over the years here on the uh, the caucuses. We're just about, well, less than 50 days, I think, away at this point. Joel, how are you this afternoon? I'm doing good. How about yourself? Fantastic. All right. We spoke, I think, about a month ago. This was before maybe, well, certainly before the uh, the Santa's debate last week with Newsom. I don't know if that would have any impact. But what's your sense right now on the ground being up there? What are you feeling? You know, the one thing that I've said before is when I went to the caucuses many years ago, it's amazing what the television ads look like. It's all, you know, as you get closer, it's just nothing but ads. We don't have that sense here. So, Kind of tell us what's happening up there in Iowa right now with just a, about a month left. Yeah, the the excitement has really, really kicked up. Um, you know, as, as part of the Republican uh, Party up here, we're organizing locations and printing signs and getting the logistics ready for this to happen. Uh, but also the candidates and their, and their uh, supporters are really making those final pitches because what happens is people are really tuned in right now, really working together on organizing, but then the holidays come in, right? And everybody, you know, most folks don't want to be bothered during the holidays. And so um, so it's really even a shorter calendar than you think by looking at it because a lot of that time is, is going to be taken off. And so right now is the time when people really work to convince and you know break through as a candidate. Right, right now would be go time for the candidate. So DeSantis says he's been to each county. You've hit all 99 counties as of today here in the state. How do you feel? Well, it feels good. I mean, it's a lot of work, but I think it's important. One, you're showing people that you uh, expect to have to earn their vote, not entitled to the vote. Now, Joel, the effort of full disclosure, you like DeSantis. You've been supporting DeSantis. So w- w- what's your take right now on, on what he's doing and whether or not Nikki Haley's got a shot here as well? I, I think there's no question that Ron DeSantis has put in the work um, that it takes to win Iowa. And, and frankly, that's really a, it's an important thing when it comes to winning the caucuses because a lot of candidates don't put in the work. And uh, a lot of promising candidates have had to uh, drop either before Iowa or shortly after because they didn't gain any traction here because they didn't meet people, go places, talk to Iowans. I mean, those are those are really important things, um, hearing from Iowans and learning our priorities. Um, and so I, I think he's definitely put in the work. His campaign has put in the investment where he is, other than Trump, um, I would say he's the only candidate that's really in a good position to threaten for that win. Um, as far as Haley goes, I, I think 
what I see with, with Nikki Haley is that she does have uh, the potential to scoop up part of the base here, but I think she's got a lower ceiling than DeSantis does as I talk to conservatives and activists throughout the state. Um, some of her stances have been uh, challenged lately by conservatives, and she's had to do some damage control, particularly with the pro-life movement after the last GOP debate. So I, I saw I want to ask you about this tweet, Eric Erickson, who is also a radio guy, but he's a pundit. And, and he predicted that DeSantis was going to win. And one of the things that he said in his tweet was people forget Iowa is not a primary and people don't really understand that caucuses operate fundamentally different. You want to have, you know, you he offered this example. So you show up in the snow, you have to stay a while, your first choice gets tossed, then you go with your second choice, et cetera. Now, my friend Jeff Smith, who's a regular, he's a former state senator, Democrat, but pretty involved with uh, the particulars of politics. He tweeted out that Iowa Republicans don't toss candidates who miss viability threshold because it's different than Dems. So can you can you clarify that point? Is there um, you know a way that when you show up on caucus night that you sort of put that first candidate aside or is the process different now? It's it's the same process that it has been. The Democrats have operated that way, uh, but Republicans have not. He's okay. describing the Democrat process where they, they kind of form a consensus throughout the room. Um, Republicans don't. We take votes and then report the totals. Um, but that said, uh, a lot of folks do switch their candidate or hear arguments the night of. And this is one of the things that I think makes the caucuses so special. And honestly, I wish more states would adopt our caucus system um, that's often described as archaic. And here's the reason why. You get into that room. And it's neighbors talking to neighbors about what they think is important in a candidate. And maybe they haven't seen each other for a year. Maybe they haven't seen each other for longer. But all of a sudden we're in a room and I'm not hearing from Ron DeSantis why he should win. I'm hearing from, you know, Joe down the street why he thinks Ron DeSantis should win. And, and it's just it's yeah, that back and right. forth about President Trump or about Nikki Haley. And really, that can sway people's opinion on caucus night. And I've seen rooms won and lost right there at the caucus. Do you feel any kind of presence from any of these other candidates who are still sticking in there, Christie, et cetera? You know, Vivek is, again, he's really, he's, he's doing his best. Uh, he's got a good team. He's opened up a headquarters up here, a little late in the game, but um, still shows investment. Um, and I think that he's really done well with presence in terms of making sure he's connecting with Iowans. I mean, he's not above showing up to a house party up here, and I really appreciate that. Uh, and I know other folks do, too. He also did a great job at the um, Thanksgiving forum that the family leader held, uh, where he showed up with his son, it was really, it was, it was really adorable. Uh, there was some, there was some points to be won there, but uh, really civil. A lot of folks really respect him. So I think even if he does not end up carrying Iowa, um, he's got, a, he's earned a lot of respect along the way. How much is Casey DeSantis up there? I would think that I've described her as kind of the secret weapon. Mm-hmm. She's been up quite a bit. She's been meeting with, uh, with homeschoolers and uh, concerned activist Iowa mom, and that is a group that is. Uh, certainly powerful and influential up here among conservatives. You know, my wife's one of them, um, who's, who's really involved in the pro-life community and homeschooling and parental rights. Um, Moms for Liberty is a big deal up here, and yeah, Kim Reynolds yeah. has been a, a connection with them, too. And so I feel like that's, that's an absolutely terrific um, asset to have is having Casey DeSantis up here showing, hey, this is this is what a DeSantis White House could look like. Well, Joel, you're a great asset for me, and I really appreciate you being willing to come on here and, and talk about this. We've known each other, I think, since late in 2015 when I found you up there in Des Moines, and we'll, uh, we'll call you a couple more times here before the caucuses. Um, and if we don't hit you before Christmas, have a great Christmas, and we'll, uh, we'll kind of get into it right after the first of the year. But thank you so much for everything, and we'll see how this progresses over the next five weeks, right? That sounds great. If you get bored down there, come on up and join us. I know. Man, I was there that one time. Uh, you know, the radio resources for taking a trip like that, not quite what they used to be in this industry. I'll just leave it at that. Thank you, Joel. Appreciate it. Sue's News is coming up. 
Get more at 971talk.com. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 